Imagine that you're a church that's brand new in the first century. I mean, less than a couple of years old. And you get a letter from the guy who helped start the church. And he begins to talk to you about how much he misses you and how proud he is of you. And, and how he's calling you out to be people of faith, hope, and love. And, and asking you to remember the time that he was there with you. And what a family, what a quick relationship they had. Just in short time, we, be, they, we became his family. He uses words like mother and father, brothers and sisters. Seeing all of those things kind of tying their lives and their hearts together. And then he says, man, I just can't wait to see you. I've, I've tried to come see you earlier and I can't get there yet, but I cannot wait to see you. And I was so anxious about how you're doing that I sent my buddy Tim and, and sent him to come check on you. And he's now come back and he has given a great report. I'm so proud of all of the things that I'm hearing about you. And then he, the letter kind of shifts a little bit of a focus by the time you get to chapter four and, and the letter would start to read about God's will in your life to be set apart and to be different and distinct in the culture that you live in. And that you have hope as you're living in this very difficult Macedonian city and the persecution that's coming on you because you're Christians and you're seeing that you're anti-Rome and against the, the government there. So you, there's much persecution and many, many people that you know are, are being, actually losing their lives because of their faith. And how there's hope in that. There's, there's, there's peace. Do not grieve without hope. And then he's gonna... Jump into the section that is our section today. And he's going to say, but be ready. Just start to form the kinds of habits in your life that your character could be formed to be like Christ. And then next week on Palm Sunday weekend, we'll finish the letter out. And it's just one imperative command after another. Just, just shotgunning a kind of many, many things of here's a few things I want to make sure you get before, before we're done. And he just, he lays out for us. So for, in our time, we're going to be in chapter 5. And we're going to talk a little bit about some phrases that are in this, this, this chapter. The day of the Lord, children of the day. War, we're going to talk about some warrior talk. We're going to talk about encouragement. And then we're going to talk about how do, you, how do you form this in your life that you might become like Christ. So let me pray for us. And we're going to jump right into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Father, thank you for the opportunity to open your word. We ask that Christ would be magnified in our thoughts, in our time, in our character. She would form more of Jesus in us. May this time please you. And may we be instructed by you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm gonna work our way through this passage. The first phrase that we're gonna take a look at is the day of the Lord. It's kind of all in the first three verses or so and several phrases that are in this section. He starts out by verse one. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write you. Now, what he's talking about here is, is there seems to be some people in this community, if, especially if we fast forward to the second letter to Thessalonians, we know that there's some people who are starting to name the day of when Christ is going to come or actually even saying, some are saying that he's already come. 
And he's saying, man, you, I don't need to write you about dates and times. Those are two, the two words that we use in the New Testament about time. The, the first word is chronos and the, the second word is kairos. And, and it's, one is about the, the um, quality or the quantity of time. That would be the first word that's translated times. And then the next one is the quality of times. It's, so it'd be like saying, man, I was great to be with you for 15 minutes yesterday. And that 15 minutes would represent the chronos, the, the, the uh, quantity of time. Or if I said this, if I said, man, that was a great time with you yesterday, that would be speaking of the quality of time. And he's, he's saying, I don't need to write you about this thing, talking about the day of the Lord, that, because there's some things that you already know. The, the phrase day of the Lord shows up in the scriptures about a little over 30 times, and it's it's always a time in both the Old and New Testament, a time of judgment, a time of coming of the Lord where he's going to set all things right. Um, it's, it's a great and also a dreadful day. Let me give you a, a feel for that. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire in the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. There's a, it's, and it's spoken about that almost every single time that you see this phrase. It's a time of judgment and a time that's where the Lord is returning and making things right and, and moving against those who are moving against him. Then we see that this day of the Lord here in 1st, 2nd Peter and also in our passage here in 1st Thessalonians 5, that it comes like a thief in the night. Um, Matthew, his Christ said this in Matthew 24, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known what the, at the time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready because the son of man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Revelation chapter three, speaking to the church in Sardis, it says, Jesus says, remember therefore what you have received and heard, obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. So there's this idea that the day of the Lord will come at a time when no one expects it. And it's, um, it's a time when you can, no one can know the times. In fact, it says, it goes on to say there in this, in this verse, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. This peace and safety would have been a, a mantra of the day in Rome where the, 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 the peace of Rome, the, the Pax Romana that, has, that enjoys about 200 years where Rome was really in its heyday, about 30 BC to about 180 AD, Rome, it, it was, there were, it kind of settled, all the wars had kind of been fought and won. There were still some skirmishes, but not anything real. And people all inside of the Roman Empire would have said, this is the peace of Rome. We exist under this. And so um, Paul is saying, well, people are saying everything's good. Get ready, because that's actually when it'll happen and when the day of the Lord will come. So he's trying to say, he says, you guys know all this. Nobody's gonna come. And even when people are least expecting it, that's what's when, it's, when uh, Jesus will return. Then he says then, um, the children of the day in verses four through six, he said, the verses say, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day, this day of the Lord should not surprise you like a thief. 
You are all children of the light and children of the day, and we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake. And that word there for awake is alert, um, paying attention, and sober. The word for sober is the idea of being self-controlled. And for those who sleep, sleep at night, but those who get drunk, they get drunk at night. And so there's this idea that we are to be distinct. That's what we've talked about in chapter four. We're being set apart, sanctified, different in how we live. We get this same feel in the letter of Ephesians chapter five about when Jesus, uh, Paul is talking about this being children of the daytime. In Ephesians chapter five, it says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children in the light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it, is, for it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. He's saying, man, be alert, be awake, be children of the light, be forming this kind of thing where the day of the Lord will not surprise you. You know, I, I thought back about my days as a teacher and I remember the, the dreaded times and the groans that would be across the class whenever I said, okay, clear your, the top of your desk and get out a sheet of paper. We're gonna have a pop quiz. And then all the, oh. But there are some students that were always ready for the pop quiz. And good students, good students who do what is asked of them, they're always ready for the pop tests. And good disciples, followers of Christ that are forming the character of Christ in themselves, they'll be ready for the day of the Lord. And then he goes into an understanding, some warrior talk that um, lets us understand that this is a supernatural endeavor of what's going on. Verse eight, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Same word from verse six. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Now, a couple things here. First, faith, hope, and love is how Paul started the letter. If you'll remember back when we were in the chapter one together. And then this idea of breastplate and helmet is the armor that would have been very familiar in Paul's culture today. He says, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we were awake or asleep, we may live together with him. There's a couple of phrases in here, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, that's a statement that's treacherous. I mean, that, that, that would have been treason in the Roman government. The, the Lord um, of that time was Caesar himself. He was the Lord and Savior, not Jesus. And 14 of the 60 times that we find the phrase Lord Jesus Christ is in First and Second Thessalonians. It's very concentrated there as a break from what the Rome was claiming. Rome's claiming peace and safety. Rome's claiming that Caesar is, is Lord and, and Christ is standing against that in a way that's really, really clear. Paul also talks about this armor as breastplates of, of faith and love and a helmet of salvation. The breastplate really is only mentioned here in Ephesians chapter six. It's, it's in the book of Revelation three times, but it's talking about um, what's described as locusts wearing breastplates. So that's going on there. But in terms of us putting on a breastplate, it's only mentioned two times in the scriptures here in Ephesians. 
uh, chapter 6. And the helmet's only mentioned here in Ephesians 6 as well. And the idea is it's already been put on. It says, where it says here, put on, or maybe some of your translations say, having put on or putting on, it's in an aorist tense, which means it's already happened with continuing results. And this is warfare talk. This is, this is a battle talk. First Peter chapter five, he's, Peter says, be self-controlled and alert. Does those words sound familiar? That's just what Paul said to the Thessalonians. Be sober, be, be alert, be paying attention. First Peter says in chapter five, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This same imagery we see really clearly in Ephesians chapter six, where Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. And then he goes through and begins to list it here so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled about your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, hear it, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. That there's a way to be ready for the day of the Lord. And it's to recognize that you're in a battle and you've been given a spiritual armor to put on and to be able to make part of your life. You see that you've got to recognize that there's a supernatural element going on in this life of the Christian faith. Let me read you a quote by John Tyson in his really wonderful book called Beautiful Resistance. A culture that has removed the supernatural from its thinking will not do away with the concepts of the supernatural. Now listen closely. It will transfer them to the natural. Without acknowledging actual fallen angels and enemies of God, we turn others into fallen members of our desired social conditions and enemies of ourselves. Christians with a Satanless gospel will project the anger that should be served for Lucifer onto other social groups, ignoring the Apostles Paul, Apostle Paul's reminder that we fight not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers. Now, what is, what is John saying here? He's saying that if, if you don't have in your worldview the, that there's a, there's a, there are forces of darkness and evil that are working against you, and in that supernatural realm, you understand how the scriptures teach about that. If you don't have that, then as life caves in, as it inevitably will, you will blame the natural. And the divisions between people and the hatred that you'll see is because it should, that, that, that um, angst against the supernatural is now put against the natural and you're, you're charging one another with the kinds of crimes that really belong to the supernatural. That as we form this, we've got to be aware that there's an enemy that seeks to devour us and seeks to destroy the work of Christ on our behalf. Of course, he cannot do that. And then this last part, he says, be encouraged. 
Be encouraged. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Just in fact, you're doing, he's saying, man, the fact that you don't have to worry about when the day's gonna come because you can form the kind of character where you'll be ready and you've got resources in terms of faith and hope and love and a breastplate and, and the armor of God. Be encouraged, be, be lifted up. Now, how do we live then? How do we live as children of the day? Matthew 24 says, we've already read, but it says you must also be ready because the son of man will come in an hour when you don't expect him. How, do we, how are we ready for something when we can't know when it's going to happen? James chapter three says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. There's a neuroscientific theory that's called Hebb's law. And Hebb's law, it, 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 for the layman, Hebb's law basically says neurons that fire together wire together. In other words, the things that you do over and over, those habits that you form, those habits begin to become more and more likely to happen again. Habits are the things that we do without, almost without thinking. And when you put the sum total of our habits together, that's what our character is. To all kinds of things like this in your life, reading, speaking, driving the car, learning a new skill, learning a language, learning to play an instrument, all of those things were at first so cumbersome until you formed some habits that allowed you to have the character of someone who could speak or someone who could write. And habits are so strong. I love the way my friend John Orberg says this. He says, habits eat willpower for breakfast. It's the things that we do repeatedly that form the character in our lives. When I first decided that I wanted to learn how to play the guitar, I wanted to learn how to play James Taylor songs. And I didn't really know how to do that and how to get started, but I really wanted to learn. And so I began with my left hand. And I began with the shapes of the chords, the phrasings of the chords that would begin to be played. And I remember just thinking, um, I would like to be able to play Close Your Eyes. So the sun is slowly sinking down. I didn't know what to do in here, but the moon is slowly rising. And I would just work really hard. It works. I had to work so hard to get my fingers to finally go into a certain shape. And then I had to figure out, what am I gonna do with my right hand? Now that I can, I can kind of make the shapes of the chord, then what do I do with my right hand now that my left hand knows where to go? And so, close your eyes. I didn't know what to do with it, so I started just kind of, uh, just down, up, down, you know, <laughs> down, up, down, and doing some things like that. And then I began to realize there's something that my right hand's got to do, but if I'm thinking about my left hand, I can only think about one hand at a time, really, as I learn these things. And there was some phraseology in the music of, of James Taylor that was in the shape of A, he would do some different things, like... That sound right there would just be... It would be all over his songs. But... And so I'd work like crazy to get my fingers to just do... It was so cumbersome and so hard. And I just kept working and kept doing it, kept working, kept doing it, kept it over and over and over. 
until it finally started to ruin where I actually I didn't think about my right hand and I didn't even really think about my left hand. Won't be long before another day. Gonna have a good time. No one's gonna take that time away. You can stay as long as you like. So close your eyes. You can close your eyes. It's all right. Suddenly, I was doing it. And it just took time and time and effort and effort, making my right hand and my left hand do things over and over. And then finally, the two hands would work independent of each other without even much thought. Now watch this. Watch the genius of Jesus when he was talking about the development of our character. He's talking about how we practice um, our righteousness. He says in Matthew chapter 6, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others or to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from the Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with the trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, look at this. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. I mean, do, do it in such a way that it is so ingrained as, as a habit that it's actually something that flows out of you without much thought at all. How do you stay ready for the day of the Lord? You, you form Christ-centered habits in your life that begin to f- define the character of who you are. What kind of student's always ready for the pop, qu- pop quiz? The kind of student who is practicing the efforts of studying that work. To place faith, hope, and love over our habits. I, I know that you remember uh, that, um, just a few weeks back when we talked about the triangle of faith, hope, and love. And how the, the things outside the triangle of depleted and divided and distracted take us away from the life of the Holy Spirit, being Christ being formed in us. And so what do you do? You, you practice, you train on the inside of that triangle, making it a priority to, to have spiritual rhythms in your life, making sure that your budget and your resources represent the missional generosity that you wanna live out and making sure that your calendar makes room for the kind of community that will draw Jesus out of you. That this practicing, this training, not trying, but training, remember? The practicing of the life, forming habits inside of the the triangle is where um, this kind of character can be formed. It's this, you know this in other areas. You know that this takes the, 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 the doing of things over and over again to make it almost second nature to you. And yet when you try to pray and it's hard to pray, you say, I can't pray. Try to read the scriptures and they're a little confusing to you. And so you just throw it down and, and give up. You try to do a little community with people and somebody's kind of a jerk, you think. And so you, just, you, you flush that toilet too. And you, no, no, you're not willing to do the kinds of, forming the kinds of habits. Nobody just kind of shows up and starts 
just doing things naturally like this. It's, it's, it's effort, it takes time. And so how do you form habits? I'm referring to a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. If you'd like to really get some insight, excellent book, not a Christian book, but an excellent book on how to form habits in your life. And he says, basically, you need a cue, which kind of makes it obvious to you or invisible if you're trying to break the habit. And then you, you have a craving that makes it attractive for you, this habit that you're trying to form. A response, make it as easy as you can. And then a reward, make it satisfying once you do some things. So how can you make things that are obvious and attractive and easy and satisfying in your life that are godly habits to form the character of Jesus? How can you begin to do that so that the character of Christ is formed in you? Practicing the habits that Christ is, is asking to be formed in us. Making it, making it obvious, for keeping it in front of you, making it easy to respond. Now, what area do you want to work on? Where would you like to go to work? You know, if we're called to be people of faith, hope, and love around that triangle, then you want to grow in faith? Well, maybe, maybe practice some risk. Just go about doing some things and practicing risk or practice allegiance, which is primarily just a, a surrender in faith of what's going on in your life. Just practice it. It's going to be hard. Risk is always fearful. I mean, it's going to be, if you want, but you want to try to grow in some faith? Just put some things, just put, it, put some things in front of you and begin to practice some. You want to grow in hope? Practice gratitude. Make it a regular part of your day to have time set aside where you, you list out the things that you're grateful for. And hope, you will find hope beginning to spring up inside of you. And you, as your right hands and your left hands at first are so hard to shape, eventually they begin to get a little bit better at shaping them. And you no longer have to tell your thumb where to go and your fingers where to go. I hope that's making sense in the analogy. And then if you want to practice love, practice selfless generosity. Just raise up your, your eyes and just pray a simple prayer. God, would you show me a need today that you'd like me to meet? And then in love, you just wait for God to show you something like that. That it's a, it's a, it's a, a lifestyle of, of training inside of forming the habits. And as the habits stack together, they stack on top of each other, the character of Christ is formed in us and we will be children of the day. I wanna give you a slide here to... To, I want to read it for you again and then just have you sit with it for a little bit and, um, and ask, God, is there, where is there a place that you would like to see me form some of the habits in my life? Again, Matthew chapter six, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, may it be so natural that your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand is doing. Father, may that be so. You have loved us so well. Can you help us love well? May you form in us 
the character of Christ through the practicing of the habits inside of the triangle of faith, hope, and love. And that your children may be more and more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen.